0: Whenever I answer questions in the class, we always say, wow, uh, Uche, you answer questions like a pathologist. So I, that kept encouraging me. And somehow, whenever I'm reading about pathogenesis of any disease entity, it tends to st- stimulate me intellectually more than um, any other area, any other clinical area that we are involved in.
1: Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast, I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic science. While we've been mostly exploring these areas of pathology and lab medicine in the United States, it's fun to talk to people in different countries as well to get a different perspective on things. My guest today is Dr. Uchichukwu Brian Izagu, and he's a pathologist and pathology lecturer in Nigeria. We're going to talk about his journey through medical school and residency and compare that to the U.S. We'll talk about his teaching career so far and some of his research work. All right, here's Dr. Uchichuku Brian Izagu. I, I want to start kind of back in your early years, and if you can give me kind of an idea of, you know, what it was like growing up and then how you were, like who or what kind of influenced your decision to go to medical school.
0: I, I was born in Aba. It's a commercial city in Abia State, one of the eastern states in Nigeria. I was born on 31st of October 1979. I was born actually in a, into a family of poor background, where three males and three females. I attended um, the primary school called Constitution Christian Primary School. And then went on to attend the Marist uh, Comprehensive Academy. That's my secondary school. I I was able, because God helped me to graduate with seven offers and two credits. Then because of my poor background, my parents actually advised me that to survive in Nigeria. The best way out of poverty was to study medicine, given that from their assessment and also from my own assess- assessment that's up to that point that I've been very good academically. And I quite agreed with them. And as much as mathematics was my best uh, subject, followed by physics and then taught biology, but I had to go in for um, medicine. So secondly, another reason why I had to go in for medicine was uh, that I actually, when I was quite younger, I used to see on television when some people will be wearing white coats and they'll be talking about some things. They discovered a medicine that have helped to uh, advance uh, cure in certain diseases. So I would be like, I want to be like these people one day. I want to be able to talk about something I've done to help alleviate human suffering. So that was one of the things that now prompted me. I had to go on to do pre-science course in Nnamda uni- School University And then went ahead to study medicine and surgery at Nnamdi
1: University. What was the medical school and the university, I guess, were were they close to where you live or did you have to travel a lot to get there?
0: Okay. Yeah, I was born in Abia State. So where I did my medical school was in Anambra State. So it's like four or five hours journey. So I had to travel to go to the place.
1: Oh, wow. That's that's a long Mm -hmm. way. Yes, it is. Getting into medical school, then, or did you ever like reconsider? Like when you started, did you think, okay, this is this is definitely for me right away, or as you were going along, did you ever kind of question that decision?
0: And um, as I was going along, yes, I, I I was happy with my decision to study medicine. However, I must say that when I was in fourth year, just before we wrote our fourth year exam in pathology and pharmacology. You know, one day I was, I just, we were preparing for exam and the burden, as in the amount of cost uh, we needed to cover, was enormous. And I started asking myself again, why did I? Because at, really, apart from that exam period, you know, we come to class by 7 a.m., do lecture till 10 a.m., then go for ward round clinics. Then we return to uh, lecture hall by 2 p.m. And we we'll remain in class until 7, 8 p.m. Then from there, we can go to the ward for uh, call or we go on to, the, uh, to read. And so we barely had time to do any of that thing. So that was actually beginning to bother me that uh, this uh, course is consuming my whole life. And then when it came to that 40-year exam, uh, the, it was so enormous that I said, asking myself, "Who asked me to come and do medicine?" Because at that point, I was quite discouraged. I felt I was not going to make it. But however, I was encouraged. I prayed about it, and then went ahead to prepare for the exam, and I was able to make it. But thereafter, every other subject I did in the medical school, I was able to cope with it and and pass. So that was the only point where I had to reconsider because
1: of how enormous the subject was yeah that makes sense you know a lot of the people that i've spoken with that have gone to medical school Mm -hmm. a lot of them have had that kind of point where it's Mm -hmm. where they question what they're doing or maybe they think they they can't do it or they're not they're not able to do it so that's interesting Mm -hmm. you've kind of and and I, i think kind of the the answer to that is just to sort of I don't know, somehow get through that part and and it gets better after that, I think. Yes. Okay, now looking at your bio, you went on to earn a master's degree in anatomy. Now, was this after medical school or or during, or how did that work?
0: Okay, it was after medical school. It was during my residency years. Okay. So now, you know, residency is broken into two parts. Um, The first residency is, is, Qualifies one after two years. Qualifies one minimum of two years. Qualifies one for part one exam. So after my part one exam, I decided to go ahead to apply for um, masters of science in human anatomy. Anatomy in our university. You know, I was doing residency in University of Uyo Teaching Hospital. So it was is still part of the uh, big larger institution of University of Uyo. So I I went to the. Uh, human Anatomy Department and applied to study Masters of Science in Human Anatomy. Why still continue my senior residency is that to prepare for my uh, final specialization to qualify for Part 2 examination. Now, one of the reasons why I I had to go ahead to apply for Masters of um, Science in Human Anatomy, there is a, a professor in of pediatric neuropathology in the U.S. He actually did pathology in, in Nigeria before he migrated to the U.S. His name is Professor Deshino. You know, I met him in one of the conferences we had in Nigeria, which he came with some faculty from the U.S. So I was telling him of my plan to go ahead to do a PhD in pathology after my specialization. So he advised me that to be able to be at a good footing to do that, I have to get a master's in um, a biomedical science area. So I found the closest biomedical science area to my department, which is anatomical pathology, was human anatomy. So that's why I applied for that.
1: Oh, well, Okay, I see. And what was the name of the, the neuropathologist again? Um,
0: Professor Additional. He's in Bellaw Medical College in Texas.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Okay. So was he kind of an influencer, sort of a a mentor for you kind of early on?
0: Yes, he was. Even though just um, at a distance, I only meet him when we have our international Academy of Pathology conferences in Nigeria. So he's, that's once in like once in a year, once in two years.
1: Oh, okay. Going back to medical school, just for one final thing. Yes. What was your first exposure to pathology as you were a medical student? Okay. My first exposure to pathology was in my fourth year.
0: You know, we offer pathology as a a fourth year course along with um, pharmacology. Pathology is divided into four broad areas, anatomical pathology, medical microbiology, hematology, and uh, chemical pathology. So that fourth year was my first exposure to pathology.
1: Okay, and did you did you like it right away, or were there other specialties that you were considering at the time?
0: Yes, I actually liked pathology right away, and indeed, pathology was actually my best course while I was in the university. In addition to it being the most cumbersome, and one of our professors, Professor Abata, and incidentally, he also trained in the US. He Whenever I answer questions in the um, in the class, when he asks questions, whenever I answer questions in the class, he will always say, "Wow, uh, Uche, you answer questions like a pathologist." So I that kept encouraging me, and somehow whenever I'm reading about pathogenesis of any disease entity, it tends to stimulate me intellectually more than um, any other area, any other clinical area that we are involved in. So. Uh, uh, eventually, when I decided to do pathology and I told him, he was really overjoyed. So that was actually also one of the uh, reasons why I, I went ahead to um, specialize in pathology.
1: Okay, I see. Now, here in the U.S., and I think in some other countries too, people have told me that they, when they just tell their you know, fellow students or people like that, like, oh, I'm going to go into pathology, and they say, oh you know, why are you going to do that? You're so good with patients or you're so good with people. Oh. Why would you, is there, is it like that there in Nigeria?
0: Yes, I, I I can really identify with that. In my final year, when I shared with my um, classmates that, ah, that I've decided to go into pathology. A lot of my colleagues, were shocked. They say, what? That you are so good with patients and all that. Why are you? sacrificing that to go into pathology where you seldom uh, meet with patients. I say, yes, I I know that I'm actually uh, good. You say, yeah, you have a listening ear and then you show a lot of empathy and compassion. Now, what what am I going to do with that? I say, yes, I've given it a lot of thought and all that. But However, I really want to go into pathology because I feel that that that's where I'll find uh, fulfillment in in my medical career. So I, I I had that experience. A lot of people were shocked. They couldn't believe it. They said, ah, but they watched me all through our training years in the clinical, how I attend to patients and their relatives that they couldn't have believed in their widest imagination that I would choose an area that would take me away from patients directly like that.
1: And it seems like these days too, there are more opportunities for pathologists to interact with patients. Uh, yes, than, than, yes, there, than there used yeah. to be yeah so you can still get yes. some of that that uh yes in- interaction if if you choose yes mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about residency and fellowship there in nigeria to kind of compare okay. it to the way it is here in the u.s and see you know the ways that it's similar and maybe if if it's if it's different mm. so can, so here in the U S pathology residency is, is four years. And then if you choose to choose to do a fellowship, that's another year after that. So let's start there. Is is the length of time kind of the same?
0: Yes. The length of time is the same as in Nigeria, like in the U S, but my own situation was quite peculiar where I trained university of Uyotichi Teaching hospital, we had partial accreditation, so. That means I cannot complete my training for the first exam in two years. So I had to go to a center um, that has full accreditation. I had to go to Bafemi Olo University Teaching Hospital in Ilife, which is like um, a 12 hours drive from where I was based to complete my training, which took me like one extra year before I wrote my first exam. The same thing occurred when I, before I could write my final exam. So instead of taking um, one um, two years before my first exam, I had to stay like three years. And then for the final exam, in addition to, by the time I was going for my final exam, we actually lost our accreditation fully. So I had to wait for extra, almost two extra years for the team from our national college to come and do re-accreditation before I could even attempt the exam again. So I ended up staying like eight years for my whole uh, residency. So, but if all things were equal and my center had full accreditation, I would have stayed uh, at least four years, four to five years to finish.
1: Okay. Is that, is that typical?
0: Yes. In centers, like in the Western part of Nigeria, like Lagos University teaching hospital, the one in Ibadoo or the one in Kanu that have full accreditation, most of their residents stay four years. But in all the other centers that don't really have full accreditation, their residents will do part of their residency in their home center and then go to any of those more established um, centers to spend extra time to complete the requirements for the exam. So they will now tend to stay longer because they are not in a fully accredited center.
1: All right, mm-hmm. so the, those four years then, how are they divided up? Like here, I mean, you get kind of rotations in the different sort of subspecialties of pathology, mm-hmm. including like, uh, you, you know, surgical pathology where you learn grossing yes. and then autopsy and, and, you know, hematopathology and all of those other things. Is it the same way?
0: Um, for three parts one, the way we do the posting is first you stay Six months, like either is in anatomic pathology. I'll stay, my first six months will be in anatomical pathology. Then I'll rotate three months each in hematology, uh, medical microbiology, then chemical pathology, and then come back to um, my parent department of anatomical pathology to spend the remaining months to complete two years before I qualify for exam. However, in my Current department of anatomical pathology. I have to still do postings in surgical pathology and autopsy pathology. We cytopathology is excluded for as a requirement to qualify for part one. It's only in part two exam that is a core requirement.
1: Since I'm a pathologist assistant here, you know grossing is the job that I do every day. Okay. In your experience with that, did you enjoy Mm -hmm. that? Did you? You know, did, did did you enjoy learning about how do how do you dissect the specimens?
0: Yes, I did. I I really enjoyed uh, learning and dissecting specimens at, at the grossing table because I I realized that one of the first um, things that I learned in pathology is that if the grossing is good, such that it can tell a good story about the tissue, then the microscopy will be much more rewarding. So that's one of the things I enjoy about grossing.
1: Okay, that's good to hear, I like that. All right, uh, let's go on to the, uh, the fellowships and the subspecialties. Now I know for you, the two that you, I think there might be more, but two of them are cytopathology and autopsy. So tell me about these. How did you end up uh, choosing those? What did you find interesting there?
0: Okay, sorry, I, I just wanted to, maybe my profile was a bit misleading, but I, I'm, I'm still oh. a general pathologist. I'm not oh, okay. so but I guess I was highlighting the areas of our training, which include the uh,
1: Okay, uh, so these are areas, uh, in areas of interest?
0: Pathology, cytopathology and uh, autopsy pathology. But my areas of interest really is in um, uh, placenta pathology or Another area of interest I'm looking at is obstetrics and perinatal pathology, in addition to breast pathology and gynecological pathology. In essence, all these areas that have to do with maternal and child health pathology is actually where I would like to uh, so specialize, but I have not yet so specialized.
1: It's interesting. Why? Are, why are those areas uh, the maternal and child health? Why is that interesting to you?
0: Um, after my part one, I while I was brainstorming on the best area for me to do my um, final research on before I could go on to write my final exam, I realized that the area that I find, uh, will I call it passion for research for, is the most motivation for, was in that area because I, I realized that I don't like to hear that someone lost the baby. So I felt I have to go into an area of research where I, co- I could find out the the cause of someone losing the baby, uh, losing the baby, so that it can be prevented. Just like we know in pathology, it's all about understanding the natural history of a disease and then find points where intervention can be uh, instituted so that um, the adverse effects of the disease could be halted. So. I, I now found that the best place for me to go into in this area, for a start, was placenta pathology. And that's why I decided to do my final research uh, in that area. Particularly, I found that the most vulnerable group was pregnant women that have HIV. Their babies die the most. So I felt that that should be, for me personally, should be the best starting point. That was why I, I started from that place yeah
1: okay i see and now is mm. this is this an area then that you've already started doing research or is this just an interest that you're just starting to get into
0: yes i i i did my part two research in that area i i collected okay. placentas from um um h i v positive women for six months in addition to h i v negative women i used those as controls um that is uh, i looked at the Uh, Placenta grossly, and then looked at it um, uh, histologically, and then went ahead to uh, compile my results, and then went to defend it as my final dissertation uh, research. But I'm in the process of uh, publishing all the um, the actually collected extra data apart from what I was meant to do for my um, uh, final dissertation work. So I've already submitted my. uh, I've Summarize the dissertation work in an article format. I've already submitted it to a journal for publication. I've actually been in the process for like two years now because I wanted to be in a high impact journal. Two have rejected it. I'm in the third journal and I'm hoping that it will be successful this time around. So, but for all the extra data that I've collected during the period, I'm actually analyzing them now. Very soon, I should, before the end of the year, I should have submitted all of them. But however, I'm also writing up a proposal now to look at uh, first trimester miscarriages. I want to be able to carry out uh, chromosomal studies in them as well as uh, microbiological studies in them. The reason for the microbiological studies is that I found that most of the placentas I uh, looked at during my research work had so much Uh, inflammatory lesion, as against what I see in literature where there's a lot of um, vascular pathology. So I now felt, okay, maybe this could be a microbial etiology could be a more important aspect to look at in my environment than looking at um, vascular placenta pathologies as well as uh, chromosomal anomalies as a cause of and now coming back to um, first trimester miscarriages because it's quite high in my environment so i want to actually look at the possible common etiological agents so that our obstetricians could begin to put apply that knowledge to prevent um, to as as much to the barest minimum um, first trimester miscarriage
1: this is very interesting to me because if, placentas are my are my absolute favorite type of specimen so i could talk about this all day long um, wow that's, that's interesting to hear <laughs> yeah that's that's from what i understand it's unusual most, most most uh pathologist assistants do not at least the ones i know do not like placentas but i do i love them uh okay. so that, it's, it's actually very
0: to, cumbersome to gross
1: yeah yes
0: yeah, so so it, it takes me like at least for five minutes to one hour to gross one placenta uh, so oh, really? a lot of people don't, don't like it uh <laughs> but me, I so I kind of enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because no, if, I, I usually follow a protocol. So if I have to follow every aspect of the protocol, it's quite detailed and it takes a lot of time.
1: Okay, that's like a protocol that you created for for the research project. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll be very interested. I hope this uh, the paper you're talking about gets published because I'll be very interested to read it.
0: Oh yes, I will I'll, I'll keep in touch and I. will send you the link once it's published.
1: Oh, that'd be great, that'd be great. All right, interesting. This is the People of Pathology podcast with our guest, Dr. Uchichuku Brian Izagu. We'll be right back. LabVine is an interactive online learning platform where laboratory professionals learn, develop, and discover by sharing knowledge and building on each other's experience. The platform provides global access to internationally accredited laboratory-specific courses and other resources developed by lab specialists for the laboratory industry. LabVine is free to sign up, and you can use the link in the show notes to get started. Now back to Dr. Uchichuku Brian Izagu on the People of Pathology podcast. All right. I want to talk about teaching now because I know you're a uh, you're a pathology lecturer at, at yes. the medical college. How did you become interested in teaching? Was this something that you've always enjoyed or did that develop later on?
0: Okay, I actually realized right from my childhood that maybe it's a gift. I realized that I enjoy teaching others something I'm, that is very clear to me, something that grabs the knowledge. I find fulfillment in teaching others who are who yet to grab the knowledge about. it. So I find... I realized that right from childhood I've had that tendency. And after I graduated from secondary school in uh, ninety-seven, before I went on to my university to attend university, I actually taught in a primary and a secondary school for about a year and a half. I was teaching them mathematics and the integrated science. So that was very that was a very memorable experience for me because I totally enjoyed it. And then when I went ahead to medical school, we used to enjoy um, organized tutorial classes for persons in our junior classes. And I always enjoy the opportunity to teach my juniors, things I've already learned while I was in that class. And then when I we went ahead for residency. Then my uh, our consultants will always give us opportunity to teach medical students either in practical tutorial or when they are so busy they will give us one or two lectures to deliver. So I really enjoyed the experience. Such so that one of my who is almost an associate professor now, one day he came into the class while I was teaching. He really was observing me. Later, after the class, when we met in the office, he said, "Ah, Uchi, I really observed that you enjoyed teaching." I said, "Yes, sir." So after I graduated, after I finished my specialization program, I, I applied to the university. As God willing, I was taken. So, however, I've already started as a hospital consultant and the pay was much better. But when the university letter called me to come and start as a lecturer, so I had to ask for conversion from a hospital consultant to honorary consultant so that I could take up the teaching position, though the money, my salary now dropped drastically, but because of my love of teaching and doing research, I had to take up the offer, looking forward for when I will climb to the uh, professor uh, position, when the pay will be much um, better.
1: Okay, so that, that's your, kind of your eventual goal is to uh, climb up the uh, sort of education ladder to professor?
0: Yes that's my goal but apart from that another goal I really have I, I want to have a, an innovative idea that'll really add to uh, my to medical practice in this environment I actually want to be able to be in a position to contribute meaningfully in the growth of knowledge in this area if possible invent something in medicine that's actually why I feel I should be in a teaching stroke research environment it's not just an area where I'm just giving care alone
1: mm-hmm. okay for a lot of people the influence of teachers in, you know throughout their educational career is important and it sometimes kind of changes their career yeah. path do you do you feel like you've done that for the students that you've taught like have you ha, have there been any that you, you've kind of turned on to pathology that maybe they were going in a different direction and you kind of helped to change that
0: I uh, for now I can't say categorically because I started teaching in um, October 2019 as soon as a lecturer, but however, I, I, and this, the first set I thought since that 2019, they are yet to graduate from medical school. So I can't say for now, but I know that I've been teaching since I was a resident and I know that, uh, like, uh, three years ago, three or four years ago, one of the students I thought met me, I was still a resident then, met me while he was, he just graduated, that he actually wants to do pathology, that I should advise him. So I later learned from him that why he actually came to meet me was that he was really inspired by the way I taught pathology. So I had to advise him, I helped him, I directed him on how to go about sourcing for materials to prepare for his primary exam. And, and currently he's, uh, doing specialization and he's already entered the residency program in pathology in uh, the neighboring states in the tertiary health care institution. So I guess that's the only one I've inspired, but that was while I was still a resident, I'm yet to see anyone i have inspired now as a lecturer.
1: That's, I like that story. That's, that's, that's really good. And, you know, sometimes just being excited about the material that you're teaching, that helps to inspire people, I think. Yes. Here, here in the U.S., there's, there's kind of, there's a shortage of pathologists, and shortage of forensic pathologists, and now we're seeing like shortage of other uh, lab staff, you know, um, clinical laboratory scientists, histotechs, things like that. So I kind of mm-hmm. I want to get the an idea of what is it the same in Nigeria as far as staffing in in pathology and and lab personnel.
0: Yes, it's actually the same thing. Pathology for me is one of the most um, poorly staffed areas in, in in the healthcare sector in in Nigeria. That's in the tertiary healthcare facility. You find out that number. I think the issue start for for pathologists first before the other support staff. Okay. You find out that the from from the residency years, the hospital tends to take less number of residents than in all the other areas of specialties. For example, during the last interview, if an area like surgery got five residents, they gave only one resident to pathology. And you find this scenario right across the country, that at the end of the day, you find that pathology graduates less number of specialists than every other area. And the Tragic aspect of it is that even after this graduation, a lot of people, at least currently, a lot of people that graduate, still end up. Most people head to the UK or head to the Middle East. So at the end of the day, you always find that there is still very low proportion of um, low number of um, pathologists practicing in the country. Then for the support staff, the lab, science, laboratory scientists, the lab tech. The most of the lab scientists, you find that most of them have. I had this experience when they are doing internship. You find that most of them are either uh, specialized in chemical pathology or hematology. Very few specialize in uh, histopathology. So you find that the scarcity of uh, histopathology specialized um, laboratory scientists and um, laboratory technicians. So at the end of the day. And then again, they are also poorly trained. Their training is very not very adequate. I think most of the universities are poorly equipped. So most of the trainings are theoretical. So that when they now enter the hospital, they are meeting most of the equipment uh, for the first time. So they, they tend to spend some time trying to adjust to that environment before they now get up to speed. And even currently, just like the doctors are living in Nigeria, quite a number of them are also living for the UK. So you still have to see scenario, this scenario of poor uh, staffing, which is, it makes it that pathology is actually a disadvantage when it comes to um, staff numbers compared to other areas of uh, clinical practice.
1: You mentioned that the, they move away to the, to the UK or to the, to the Middle East. Why do you think yes. that is?
0: Okay, okay. Let me give you, for me specifically now. Okay, now my salary. Uh, the main thing is actually economically, um, economic, looking for better economic um, reward. Okay, for example, for okay. for me now, my starting salary as a lecturer is approximately like three hundred and twenty-one dollars a month, and then. My call duty allowance from the hospital is $665 a month. That is a total of $986 a month. And that's just a very small money to keep somebody going. So when Saudi Arabia comes, the Saudi Arabia Health Ministry comes to Nigeria to recruit uh, specialists, you see a lot of people jump at the opportunity and leave. So... I'm just still in Nigeria because I'm looking for opportunity to sort of specialize because I know eventually the financial reward will come so people are living because of better financial uh, reward in those uh, crimes. and better facilities also
1: Oh sure okay so just the whole economic aspect seems to be yes, yes. basically the reason yes.
0: yes
1: all right now you're involved in many uh, professional societies and i was just looking yes. at the list of these just a couple i mean the west african division of the international academy of pathology college of yes. nigerian pathologists the nigerian medical association there's mm. a there's a long list of these yes Why why is that important for you to be involved in these organizations like that?
0: Okay, my my major motivation is to enhance my professional training and then for networking purposes. Like I mentioned to you earlier, um, I met um, Professor Deshino from the U.S. in one of our West African uh, Division of International Academy of Pathology meetings in Nigeria. So if I, if I didn't belong to the organization, I guess I wouldn't have met him. But I would say among all these professional organizations, the most rewarding for me have been the Pathological Society of Great Britain and Ireland. They have been with me right from my residency training years. I was able to be a concessionary member as a resident, and they were sending me the um, Diagnostic Pathology Journal all through my residency is free of charge on a monthly basis. That journal was actually the single most impactful aspect of my um, training. And they sent me a booklet also at initial time, Diagnostic Criteria Handbook for Histopathology Diagnosis. And even up to now, they still send me a lot of um, uh, training updates, uh, webinars and all that. Joining all these professional organizations, I I joined them basically to enhance my professional training and also to be able to have uh, collaborative and networking uh,
1: opportunities. Okay. Yeah. I think that the networking opportunities, those are very important, Um, you know, within Kind of within your own uh, country, I guess your own area, but also, yeah, internationally, I, I found that the yes. more people I've spoken to from other countries, it, it's really helpful to get a perspective from a different part of the world. Yes. I, I know you're interested in some of the new technologies coming out in pathology. Yes. Okay. Do you feel like some of these will result in sort of a more global kind of collaborative aspect to pathology where? you know, especially the things like telepathology, digital pathology, like you can get, you could collaborate with other pathologists around the world. Is that something that that you think would be interesting?
0: Yes, I think it would be interesting. Uh, First and foremost, I think it will actually lead to a better collaboration if there's willingness on both parties, both from our side of developing nations and our counterparts in the developed nation to collaborate. If there's willingness on both sides of the parties to collaborate, I I believe it will lead to better collaborative opportunities. I, for one, I'm always open to learn new things, particularly for the sole purpose of improving uh, my healthcare delivery um, resource capacity in this environment. So I'm usually open to collaborate so that I'll be able to learn and then give back, give back to my um, environment.
1: Okay, I like that. Yeah, it seems like this is kind of a theme with you, like the the opportunity to give back to your environment and to do the most, yes, the most, I, the most yeah, good.
0: I agree because I actually came from a humble background. I I'm actually very grateful to God to where I am now because if you know where I'm coming from, people that see me now, it, it's it's actually a miracle where I am. So. I always feel I'm privileged and the only way I could show that I'm grateful is to be able to help the uh, less privileged as much as I'm able to do so.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's that's a great that's a great motivation. And probably that's a great motivation for anybody really. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is really interesting to get uh, you know to to learn more about you to get an idea of your kind of career path so far and, and I I really appreci- appreciate talking with you. So Dr. Yeah. Uchichuku Brian Izagu. Exactly. Thank you very yes. much.
0: Thank you very much. Too. I'm really happy to have talked with you. And I also thank you for the honor and the privilege to
1: contact me to talk with you. Great big thanks to Dr. Izagu. Here's a trailer from another episode that I think you'll enjoy. And then I'll be back with some final comments on this episode. So when I when I joined the Department of parasitology sometimes in 1985,
2: 86 The head of that department was Professor Minjas, So he he sort of accepted me uh, in the department and uh, he was my head. He was a trained teacher. He had acquired uh, an educational degree, one of the educational degrees at the university. So he was a trained teacher to teach. I was not a teacher. I, I mean, I just became a doctor and I started teaching. So I learned a lot of things from him, the the actual teaching methodology, how to ask examination questions when you, when you set up an exam, what sort of questions do, would you like to ask, you know, how do you ask them, the language and all that. So I learned a lot of teaching from him on,
1: on the bench, you know, uh, he used to guide me. To hear more about Dr. Zul Premji and his book, The Malaria Memoirs, check out episode 67. So like I said at the beginning, it was interesting to get a perspective from the country of Nigeria. And while it seems like the medical education and pathology education are pretty similar to what we have in the U.S., it was also concerning to hear about how pathologists are leaving the country to go work in other places also, I really enjoyed hearing his thoughts on how new technologies in pathology could help to improve global collaboration and global health. As always, I'll have links in the show notes to everything we talked about today. Don't forget, you can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram at People of Path, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others. And together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being, and you can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network if you'd like to check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology Podcast.